could be hazardous to his health. To protect himself, he'd engaged the services of a Broadway makeup artist with a penchant for nose candy. They'd struck a deal. She would keep him supplied with a makeup that blended with his exact skin color, and he would be her candy man. Underway again, he turned the corner on 142nd Street minutes later and cursed beneath his breath. The presence of a black BMW sedan and familiar Kali muscle outside La Revista told him the Colombian had once again beaten him to the meat. At the door to the club, when a Colombian bodyguard attempted to frisk him, Paco slapped his hands away. The Colombian had planted himself at a banquet table with an unobstructed view of the entire club. While approaching the Cali cartel's head man in New York City, Tio Paco made sure to keep his expression affable. They might both be patrons, but the man from Cali was the one with the bigger guns. Tall, urbane, in his middle forties, Roberto Santiago wore an impeccably tailored light gray suit that flattered his athletic frame. Tio Paco was best described as squat, barely five feet four, with broad, heavy shoulders and big hands. Santos kept his handshake with Santiago docile, and his demeanor submissive as he slid into the booth. Francisco, good to see you, Santiago greeted him. Reflected in colored lights from the stage, his teeth gleamed. Something to drink? What I would like, Roberto, is to know who is using cops to knock over my stash houses. Santiago, with palms opened outward, raised his hands in a gesture of innocence. It's certainly not us, hermano. We're in this together, no? Why have I heard nothing of this, and when did it start? Santiago had heard everything. Of that much, Santos was sure. Paco trusted the Colombian's word as much as he might a politician's. Three weeks ago, they knocked over two of my places, stole twenty keys and close to a quarter million of my dollars. They were narco? No. I think maybe local. They had too much of my intelligence. Then your problem is local, hermano. They had search warrants? Not they. Only one man that anyone saw. And he came to steal, not to make arrests. A description. Santos shook his head. He wore a heavy jacket and ski mask. Came down from the roof, armed with a fully automatic SPAS-12 gauge. Santiago knew how hard those weapons were to come by and was clearly impressed. So find out who he is and kill him. Don't worry. But first, I must find out who in my organization is feeding him information. How did he penetrate your security? Santiago watched Paco closely as he asked the question and added, Have you made any recent changes that might make your places vulnerable? Tio Paco felt like a lowly mestizo, being questioned this way by the white patron. He laced his fingers beneath the table and squeezed hard. No changes. We operate only in tenements we control. We only deal wholesale. The money and the product are not kept together. A customer must pass through our security before he is taken to an apartment to negotiate his purchase. We take his money there, then send him to a different apartment in the building to make the pickup. My men in the first apartment call ahead to make sure the order is ready. So get rid of the people who were working the day this cop took those tenements down. That way you are certain to get the guilty one. Only after I learn who is giving him the balls to fuck with me, who this cop is working for. You got policia on your payroll? Why not ask them? You think I didn't? None of them know. How did this cop with the giant cojones get in? One burst from that shotgun took out the door. No warning from our lookouts. My men inside were sitting ducks. Santiago's manicured nails tapped out a rhythm atop his cigarette case. A situation like this makes us all uncomfortable, my friend.
Some might even ask if we are doing business with a man we should not. A traficante who cannot control his own people. Paco had to sit hard on the urge to gouge out this Cali Maracon's eyes. Instead, he forced a thin smile. We have been doing mucho business for a lot of years, Roberto. You and me, we make a deal, and then you are protected from all the rest of it. I make the pickup in Mexico. My men, not yours, are the only ones exposed. Santiago's eyes narrowed. Why did you ask for this meat? Because whoever ripped me off is peddling my drugs somewhere. Most likely in another part of the city, Santiago mused. And you want me to find out who and where? Santiago shrugged, said he was agreeable to such a notion. He was a businessman, after all. I'll ask around, see if any of the heavyweight orders have fallen off over the past three weeks. Paco nodded his appreciation. Roberto took a drag on his cigarette and sent several smoke rings floating toward the ceiling. Meanwhile, I'm having a problem in Queens. A reporter from La Paz is writing lies about my friends and me. Do you think you could take care of this problem for us? Paco shifted uncomfortably in his seat. Killing a reporter can cause... problems. This spick must go. He knows no respect. Determined to hide his feelings... Paco sighed, certain that Santiago had called him the same or worse behind his back. We will make it look like an accident, see? No accident. Messy, so that others will get our message. You don't fuck with us. Roberto drew an envelope from an inside pocket and placed it on the table. Everything you need to know is here. It is taken care of, Paco assured him, and tucked the information into his waistband. Santiago looked pointedly at his heavy gold Rolex Daytona. Clearly, the meeting was over. Chapter 2 It was three minutes after midnight. Their shift over, Michael Neri and Macho Man Rodriguez entered the 37th Precinct building and continued on into the high-ceilinged muster room. Rodriguez snapped the traditional salute at the desk sergeant and walked into the glass-fronted clerical office past the elaborately carved teak front desk. The civilian clerical, a heavy-set black woman with thick hair set in a sweeping beehive and a backside that spilled over the edges of her swivel perch, handed him a stack of reports to sign. Macho Man eased his arms around her to lean close and growl in her ear. One day, Mary, just you and me, we gonna get it on, and I know just how finger-licking good you're gonna be. Mary chuckled, deep and mellow, while shaking her head. Child, you wouldn't survive the foreplay. But what a way to expire. Her phone rang and she snapped it up. Three-seven clerical. Hearing the voice at the other end, Mary covered the mouthpiece to look up at Rodriguez. You here, baby? Who? He mouthed. Sounds like Chiquita Blowjob. Johnny took the receiver. Hey, Isabel, he cooed. I was just going to call you. I've been thinking about you a lot today, Johnny. You going to stop by tonight? I gotta be getting home, he begged off. Got caught in the morning. Liar, Mary whispered, grinning, then shook her head in disgust at the gullibility of her sex. Just for a few minutes, Johnny. Please. I want to feel you inside me. You sound like you need a bad, he murmured, his gaze locked with Mary's. I do, Johnny. Just thinking about it is making me crazy. I'll change and be right over. Sit tight. He handed the receiver back to the clerk, winking as she took it. That woman be craving my body, Mama. 
You taking notes? Mary swiveled around to her keyboard, the glow of the monitor screen reflected off her scowling ebony features. You don't know shit about women, macho man. A real one probably kill your skinny ass. Isabel Melendez turned from the telephone to face the woman seated next to her. The gun the woman had pressed to Isabel's ribs scared her, and she had to pee. Until ten minutes ago, she'd never seen the stranger who now held her life in one hand. She had just stepped out of the shower when a pounding shook the door of her second-floor tenement apartment. Pulling on a skimpy robe, she'd rushed to answer it. Johnny? I work with Officer Rodriguez, a desperate voice had answered. He's been hurt and is asking for you. Those words had sent a spasm of fear through Isabel. She'd unchained the door with fumbling, frantic fingers, flung it open, and then went rigid. The woman on the threshold had jammed a gun into her stomach to propel her back down the hall toward her living room and onto the sofa. The intruder looked nothing like any of the female cops Isabel had gotten to know through Johnny. She wore running shoes, black tights, and a long embroidered vest. Her complexion was youthful and fresh scrubbed. If it weren't for her hard body and the well-defined muscles of her bare arms, she might have passed for a teenager. Isabel clutched her robe, closed in the neck, eyes flashing panic. I did what you told me. He's on his way. Please don't hurt me, she begged. I'm not going to hurt you. Or Johnny, the woman replied. I just want to scare the shit out of him. Emboldened by this assurance, Isabel flicked a cautious glance at the gun still aimed at her gut. What did he do to you? she asked. I'll tell you when he gets here. Isabel examined the woman with curiosity. What's your name? Gina. The woman's gaze drifted to take in the tight little living space with its green velvet furniture. This building's a dump, but you keep a nice, neat place, she commented. Johnny likes it.